Well, a big one at Bill Snyder Family Stadium Bank on Saturday night brought a crowd of over 51,000 to the bill. But unfortunately, some tough defensive play for K-State. Texas gets a three-score lead going to the halftime break, and Texas escapes Manhattan after an attempted comeback by the Wildcats, and the Texas Longhorns beat K-State by the final score of 34-27. to Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner. Over the phone for the first hour is the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Now, it's a bit of a messy day today, isn't it? Because, of course, we're going to talk cats here through the next two hours. But if you want to hear the K-State women's basketball game, they open up their season, part one of a doubleheader with the K-State men. That'll be at a 5 o'clock pregame, 5.30 tip-off on our sister station, Sunny 102.5. Here on K-Man tonight, we will have coverage of K-State men against the Vaqueros of UT Rio Grande Valley, which pregame starting at 7 and tip off is going to be slightly after 8 o'clock we will have coverage of that but between now and also 7 o'clock 6 o'clock will be Chiefs Kingdom as Mitch Holtis will talk about that Chiefs victory last night in overtime against the Tennessee Titans but for this first hour joined by the voice of the Cats Wyatt Thompson Wyatt greatly appreciate your time here in hour number one and I know you're a busy guy and uh, I'm sure very busy last week getting prepped for this Texas game um, where both have a lot to play for, of course. K-State trying to hold on to that first-place spot in the Big 12. Texas trying to play spoiler and get themselves into a tie for second place. But let's start with um, start with the quarterback. It was Adrian Martinez who came out of that huddle to begin that first offensive drive, already down 7 nothing. And I got to say, for a lot happened. A lot happened in the game. But I got to say, I was very pleased with the way Adrian Martinez played on Saturday night. Well, good to be on with you, buddy. I appreciate you being a little bit flexible here because we did have the football game Saturday and uh, the basketball doubleheader here uh, tonight. So I appreciate that very much. And I'm, I'm with you. I thought Adrian uh, did a nice job. I think Coach felt uh, and made the decision on Friday that Adrian was good enough to go. And uh, to, to be honest with you, um, 24 out of 36 for 329 yards, a uh, couple of touchdowns and an interception with a lost fumble probably is, is, you know, good enough, right? Uh, at least that's, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I thought K-State uh, did all right uh, with Adrian directing the, uh, the ship at quarterback. Um, we could certainly talk about, you know, playing the hot hand and Will Howard, but I do think that, that, uh, coach was committed to Adrian if he was a hundred percent or very close to that. And I believe that was the case. And I, I thought he performed, um, but it was a frustrating game from the standpoint of, you know, K-State, uh, struggled a little bit to get, oh, more than little, they struggled a lot to get Texas slowed down. It took into the third quarter for them to really do that. And, and probably the, the play of the game from my perspective would be the interception at the end of the half that led to a score for Texas to make it 31 to 10. If you can eliminate that one, okay, you can't, but if you could, uh, then, then I think, um, you know, I guess it was Auburn's field goal that they got, but, but you get the point. I mean, it's just, and, and well, I, I was right. It was worthy, worthy play to make it 31-10. It was just too much to overcome, I guess is the point. Well, you bring up the part of the game I thought was a just a gigantic turning point because my thought was, okay, Texas has allowed teams to come back on them in the second half. I mean, a great example yeah. was two weeks ago against Oklahoma State, and they allowed the Cowboys to come back in Stillwater and win that game. The, the, the portion you bring up is in that second quarter where, so K-State's driving, they're deep in Texas territory, they go for it on fourth down, and they don't get it. Mm-hmm. 
Texas goes on to kick a field goal. Offense gets the ball back with less than two minutes to go before the half. K-State wants to drive. Coach Kleiman wants his team to drive down the field and try to get some points and make it, you know, maybe make it an 11-point game instead of 14, you know. Give yourself a chance to, uh, you know, get a little bit closer and narrow the deficit. But then Adrian Martinez throws that interception and Texas capitalizes on it on, with another touchdown. It was kind of like you can argue it was a 14 or 17-point swing in, oh, sure. in just a couple of minutes, but I, I agree with Coach. I thought Adrian made a bad read. It was a rare bad read, bad play by Adrian. We haven't seen it too much this year. I hadn't really seen it at all, to be honest with you, until that. That was his first interception of, of not only the night, but, but the season. And I, I think all Wildcat fans know that. Uh, but, but I think you're right. That momentum swing there that you talk about, and I remember vividly Stan talking about his keys to the game in pregame saying that if K-State were going to win the game, they were going to have to be really, really good on third down where they have struggled this year, and they struggled mightily in a very close loss in Austin a year ago. And I I go back to that segment, and and it was a fourth down, I understand it, but uh, you don't get that, and, and you need to because you don't get an opportunity to score there. They go down and, and get the field goal and then the turnover and touchdown. And all of a sudden, you feel like the game's gotten away from you. I think you have to give K-State a lot of credit to the way they bounced back. Um, they did make adjustments in the second half. Uh, defensively, it paid off. Texas scored only three points in the second half and just 114 yards. Um, and it's just, you know, <laughs> you hate, and I mean that, Sincerely, you hate losing that game and the importance of it, especially when it's at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. That one certainly stings, and they'll have to try to rebound on the road this week and, frankly, for the next two weeks. Yeah, I got to say, I, I mean, I felt like Casey was outcoached in that in that first half. Steve Sarkeesian brought a great scheme, both offensively and defensively. But I also thought – I noticed how well just Texas was blocking offensively. But what am I – you brought up keys of the game with, with Stan – one of my biggest keys for K State defensively was they got to tackle well, and Coach yep. Kleiman brought it up on Tuesday about you know solo tackles just might not get it done. Gang tackling will be important, and uh, there there were too many you know one on one chances to try to tackle a guy like Bijan Robinson who's so powerful, and we've seen K State struggle to tackle the more stronger, powerful running backs like a Bijan Robinson. Also, Roshan Johnson was a tough tackle as well as Texas finished the game six point seven. Uh, yards per carry. Bijan, who K-State didn't see last year, was and, and give credit where credit is due. That off, running offense for Texas was really good on Saturday. Well, they were. Um, you know, they lost Junior Angelau when the season started and, and really it kind of made them shuffle their lineup, to be real honest with you. And, and <laughs> I guess you can take that how you want to take it, but shuffling in a couple of freshmen and starting spots there, uh, they had... Uh, Cole Hudson start at right guard again, but I don't know if you noticed Kelvin Banks, their freshman left tackle, but um, I told a guy a little while ago in an interview that, that uh, he, he was just really, really a big-time talent and blocker, um, was a difference-making guy. If you go back and, and watch the tape, and I've not watched all of it, but I've watched some of it, they did a lot of good things in the run game. and Bijan's special, but, but he also had good blocking. And, and I think, much like the TCU game with Kendra Miller, K-State would hit him at maybe three or four yards, and yet he'd still get another two or three or four. 
And uh, that's a hard way to make a living when that's the case. They, they were just, they just ran the ball better than K-State, simply put. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, over the phone here in the first hour of Wildcat Insiders. So sticking with the first half, actually very early in the game, it was the first sign that told me, well, this one might be a little bit of a grind. Some calls just might not go our way tonight, and that's the Julius Brintz targeting on that first drive for Texas. Now watching the replay, I mean, watching live, I thought, oh boy, that, that might be a little bit of trouble, but watching the replay... I, I thought Julius had turned his shoulder a little bit and maybe got more shoulder contact than with the helmet, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know the rules anymore. Why, uh, you know, what was you and uh, your and Stan's reaction to Julius Brents getting ejected for targeting? Yeah, I, I was fearful of it watching it uh, live. And again, we're high and don't have the world's most perfect view, but it, it's a good view, okay? Uh, but I was fearful when I saw it live, but even more so, uh, just just because of, of the way it goes, they, you know, the the targeting thing is a very unique thing because they most people perceive it to be, and, and this is not wrong; it's correct. Uh, most of the targeting calls are with the the. I've said this before. Don't think about the forehead. Think about the scalp, the top of the head, and that's where that comes in. But there are other um, tentacles, I guess I'll say, off of that. And some of that is a defenseless receiver. And if you hit them, you know, basically straight on helmet to helmet in, in any way as deemed the defenseless player, you're out. And unfortunately for Julius Prince and K-State, that, in my opinion, that was the case there. Yeah, that was a really tough blow. You're without one of your best players on the defensive side of the football. I put a top 10 list together of best defensive players through halfway through the season. I think at Julius Prince number three. I think that's how important he has been for k-state these last couple of years however even though the first half was really tough for the defense they give up 30 what was it 31 points at halftime k-state was down 31 to 10 at the break i mean it felt like everything was going wrong that's what coach Kleiman said everything that probably could have gone wrong in that first half did go wrong but i gotta say adjustments remain i thought the defense was so much better in the second half and to give a shout to a number of guys, Eli Huggins, Kobe Savage made one of the best plays of the game to force that three and out and get the ball back with less than a minute to go. Uh, I, I mean, I could just keep mentioning names, but I thought you know the defense really did its job after not really showing up in the first half. Did a much better job in the second half, just giving up three points in the second half. Yeah, I, I think the key to the slowdown, if I understand it correctly from the way Coach Kleiman explained it to me, was was with those safeties. Um, they <laughs> they had to make adjustments just because there were you know there were so many. I mean, K State was just getting trucked to be honest with you in the first half, and they ha- they had to to make some technical moves, and I, I think they did with the, with the schemes, and it, it you could tell that it paid off. They weren't getting the gaping holes, and now again Bijan got some yards, but um, he he's going to do that, but. You get gashed in the first and then give up a total of 114 in the second, you've made good adjustments. But I, I think Coach Kleiman, Coach Klanderman would both tell you it, it took too long to make those adjustments and get them implemented and, and into the game. and That really hurt. Now, your thoughts on the clock management, the last full drive. I, I didn't notice this live until I saw you know R.J. Garcia getting some looks uh, that um, – Malik Knowles and also Cade Warner uh, didn't really play much the rest of the last couple of drives, but the time management felt like it just took a long time to get the play calls in, and also climbing not taking the timeout with about 
35 seconds to go that led to the fumble to uh, in the game. Yeah, I I understand why why people are are talking about that and 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 feel like maybe that could have been better. I, I understand. It, it's really hard, you know, to to criticize uh, in some cases, but I think in this particular case, um, I, if you had it to live over again, they may have done a, a couple of things a little bit different there in the last what say ninety seconds of the game. Um, it, it's tough because. You mentioned not having Malik. Uh, Malik uh, suffered an injury in the game, and um, I, I'm told that it was an ankle issue, and he just couldn't go, um, and, and that hurt. RJ is going to be a fine player, but he just doesn't have the same, you know, experience right now. So, so that was a, a, a pretty big moment and, and factor. Um, I, I again, I, I understand the criticism because I think they would change a couple of things if they could. Yeah, I think the one thing, I you know, the, the last full drive, um, yeah. I, I understand the situation, and maybe it wasn't, it just felt like there wasn't a sense of urgency, I guess, but the, it, there were still a couple of minutes to go when they got the ball back for that last yeah. drive. I think the one regret probably would be not taking the timeout before the play that ended up leading to the yeah. uh, turnover that lost the game. You know, just right. take that timeout, yeah. take some time to regroup, because that was a very nervous play previous to that with... Uh, the uh, fourth down conversion, but uh, I think that that would be yeah. the one hindsight is twenty twenty thing they may oh, uh, sure. do over. All right, you we're talking. Go ahead. Oh, go. Ahead. I was just I was just going to say I think you can always, depending on whether they're success or failure, look at that. You know, both sides of the coin. So I, I totally understand what you're saying there. Speaking with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson on Wildcat Insider. All right, when we come back with Wyatt, let's flip over to men's basketball, who opened the regular season tonight against UT Rio Grande Valley. But also last week, we got our first look at the Cats in an exhibition against Washburn back on Tuesday night. We'll talk K-State men's hoops when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider on KMAN, Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. K-State women and K-State men's basketball open the regular seasons tonight. Head coach Jeff Mitty of the K-State women looking for win number 600 as uh, the Cats will be taking on the Sugar Bears of Central Arkansas at 5.30 with pregame at 5 o'clock on our sister station, Sunny 102.5. K-State men take on UT Rio Grande Valley at 8 o'clock. Pregame starts at 7 here on K-Man. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, let's talk about last Tuesday for just a moment. We got our first look at the new team, the new coaching staff, see how it all come together in their first audition for the fan base, I guess. But the Cats beat Washburn 76-49. to I thought, just like my first thought, like when I look back, it was it was a really strong 15 minutes. Not only was K-State, it felt like they were scoring the ball consistently around 45 to 50% shooting from the floor, but also defense was really good in that first half. Well, you said a lot there, and I think that's accurate. I, re- I remember saying, you know, a couple of different times in, in interviews right after the game, think about it this way. At the first media timeout, they're up 12-2. Second media timeout, they're up 18 to 5. Third media timeout, 29 8. That kind of somewhat equates to your math there <laughs> with, with the 15 minutes. Um, and at that particular point, K State had a 15 to 2 advantage in second chance points, a 14 to nothing advantage in paint points. They had 21 rebounds. They had 10 offensive rebounds, where Washburn had seven total rebounds. So it was a pretty dominant first 15, 16 minutes or so for K-State. They didn't shoot the ball, you know, what I would describe as, as perfect in any way at 44%. Uh, 
But I, I think the, the, the focus really after the game, if you're going to, you know, kind of find, you know, a thing or two to fault them on would be the free throw shooting. And, and obviously, um, on top of that is that the, there was too many turnovers. So it simply stated they had 19 turnovers in the game. Yeah, and Coach Tang said after the game, you know, they want no more than 11. And I and I totally understand yeah. that number. I mean, you would, you would definitely take that game in and game out if you could keep that consistently. But, you know, first time in front of a crowd, I think we all, you know, we are going to give them some lenience about, you know, some mistakes here and there. They're still trying to figure themselves out, you know. Coach Tang was going to rotate a lot of guys in and out and see what kind of uh, rotations he likes, and that's just kind of what exhibitions are all about. But yeah, 19 turnovers, that was a bit too much, plus three-point shooting. Um, you know, Not where you want it to be. As Coach Tang said, they have probably four or five guys that are shooting over 36% from three-point range in practice. They finished 5 of 23 for 21.7%. I, I know we wanted to see what everybody could do. You know, we all kind of had our idea of every individual player on what they should be able to bring to the table. I'm not obviously going to ask you about every player, but Wyatt, I'd just like to hear from your opinion just who stood out to you the most individually with their performances, or you can give me a handful of guys. Well, I would probably start with Cam Carter. And in fairness, he played the most minutes. He was at 23 and a half minutes. But he had 13 points, three rebounds, three assists, three steals, three turnovers, a block, and was plus 24 on plus minus, and and really shot the ball pretty well. He was four of seven, one of four from three, and four of five at the foul line. You know, he he we said going into that last Monday that he probably was K State's most improved player from the time everybody showed up. You know, roughly the first of June until the Washburn game last week, and I, I think that proved out in this one. I think it's obvious too that that Keontae Johnson they held him down on minutes a little bit, but he was he was pretty darn impressive, bud. I mean, he had eight points and six boards uh, in a little less than seventeen minutes. Only shot it four times, but you you can see that he's played a lot of basketball. He's really strong, uh, confident guy. Uh, I guess after that, I would probably point to Desi Stills, and he did have three turnovers and was over five from the floor. And you're probably saying, okay, why do you point him out? Well, he was plus twenty. And had seven assists. <laughs> so as as he shoots the ball better, uh, I, I think people will really like him. As he's played a lot of basketball, he's left-handed. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, I I really like him. And then if I'm going to throw a couple of more out there, I, I would probably start with Jarrell Colbert, who had five points and five blocks in a little less than nine minutes and didn't play in the first half by design because coach told us that. Uh, he wanted to start Bebe and get a really good look at him in that starting lineup. And then I, if, if I have to go a little bit deeper than that, I mean, it'd be easy to say Naquan and, and what have you. But but in this particular case, I'm going to say Dorian Finister. And, and we talked uh, with Coach after the game about that. And, and it's going to be an interesting thing for them as to whether they'll make the decision to redshirt him or not, because I think he can help. Um but if you're going to play him seven or eight minutes, you probably redshirt him. If he's going to be a 15 to 17 minute a game guy, maybe he plays this year. So we'll see how that goes. You mentioned everybody. You mentioned I. I saw something in them for sure. I, I was I was very pleased by the way they played. I liked how the scoring was spread out. I feel like there's definitely a big number of guys that can go score the basketball in any moment. Um, you mentioned Cam Carter first. I was like, yeah, absolutely. He did stand out to me. I loved his numbers with 13 points, three rebounds. He also had three assists. He had a block, three steals. You throw that out there as well. Naquan Tomlin was also a double-digit scorer. 
I was trying to think of somebody that, you know, you brought up Jarrell Colbert, and that was a very interesting case because he just played those eight minutes, like you said. And my God, was he just coming out and ooing and awing the crowd. I loved it. I feel K-State is I, – I feel like they're more athletic at the five this year with Miami Egiola and, and how active they are with their hands and defensively. And I was pretty impressed with the five position. I feel a lot better this season about that that spot on the floor. Yeah, and I think the versatility of of the team here will probably be what continues to stick out as we grow uh, with this group and learn them more through November and, and maybe even into mid to late December uh, through the non-conference. There are some interesting games coming up, and you just want to see continued growth. I mean, this this time of year, it, it's you know, we, in conference season, we talk a lot about boy, this team is hard. They've got this guy and. But right now, it's more about the K-State guys. And, and, you know, you got, you know, 12, 13 guys, but but probably really more like nine-ish uh, that are going to do the bulk of the playing when, when you get into the, the bigger games. And, and that's why these games, like tonight, will, will be so important. You, you, you're almost, uh, <laughs> in, in a couple of cases, uh, auditioning, I suppose, for roles. Um, but... But I'm sitting here looking at the box score from the Washburn game, and the reality of it is they had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys play double-figure minutes, but 12 guys play eight minutes and 43 seconds up to the 23-32 that Cam played. So that's, that's a lot of guys, and uh, you want to do that right now and, and give everybody a fair look. Yeah, this was a team that uh, back on Tuesday against Washburn could have easily scored in the 90s if they just hit a couple of more jumpers, but also the, the yeah. free throw shooting. The, I mean, that, that wasn't great. 15 of 29, that was another part of the game that you know they clearly have to clean up, be more focused. And uh, you know, maybe I thought, you know, maybe there's just some jitters. As a matter of fact, I thought potentially Coach Tang had some jitters before he went out there because I even brought it up in postgame. He kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about, dude? That's such a weird question. But I noticed when all the team came out, he didn't come out until like a minute and 30 seconds later. He, I was like, what is – it's taking a while to get out. I just asked, you know, maybe just take a moment for yourself in the locker room, say a prayer, and just be like – just reflect on, hey, man, I made it. I'm a head coach now. No, I just need to go to the bathroom. That was his reaction. I was like uh, – but uh, what – anyway, moving on to uh, tonight – and the uh, the the opener, the regular season opener yeah. against the Vaqueros of UTRGV. Do you uh, have them some thoughts on the opponent tonight and what to watch for? Yeah, for me personally, I would have to start with their coach Matt Figger, who was at K State as an assistant for a while, uh, you know, and, and and a really good era of K State basketball. Um, I mean, in the time that he was here, uh, K State won twenty one games, twenty two games. 29, 23, and 22. That's that's pretty legit, uh, wouldn't you say? <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, that, that was, for those who don't remember, that was from 07 through 2012. And, and Fig's a good guy. I really like him. You know, he left here, went with, with Coach uh, Martin to South Carolina, and then actually got a head coaching job and did a really good job at Austin P. and then and then on uh, into his second year now with UTRGV. So, a good man, good coach. They'll they'll be an interesting group because they really only have one guy back from last year, um, and a guy that was a seventeen, almost eighteen point a game guy, uh, with a lot of new faces and, and a couple of pretty good transfers. So uh, I'm anxious to see what they are and, and how they will in, in handle the environment here tonight with with K State because I think we're all excited about where the Cats are at right now. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That returner that was all whack second team a year ago in Justin Johnson. Yeah, you're right. 17, 18 points a game. And what K-State and UTRGV have in common, just two actual returners. Doesn't matter how much they played. Two actual Good. returners from last year's team. Although uh, our, uh, UTRGV and Coach Figure, he uh, really went to the JUCO part of the uh, recruiting to fill up those roster spots. But they're trying to uh, bounce back from an 8-23 and season a year ago. We'll talk uh, more football when we come back on Wildcat Insider. The, a look at the Baylor Bears, K-State down in Waco this Saturday for a 6 o'clock kick. We'll talk about Baylor when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We roll on with Wildcat Insider on K-Man. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, let's take a look at the opponent this Saturday for K-State football. They look to bounce back. The Cats are 6-3, and 4-2 and two in Big 12 play. Now we find ourselves in a three-way tie for first place in the conference. And, of course, you know, that Texas TCU game on Saturday is big. But looking at the Baylor Bears, who have the exact same record as K-State, they're coming off that win against Oklahoma. Uh, I, I guess we start with the quarterback, Blake Shapin. And um, well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on his season so far. Well, I, I, in fairness, I think you would probably say it's been a little bit up and a little bit down. Uh, but, but again, this is a young man who probably has about the same amount of experience as Will Howard. I think Will's got him by a couple of games. Will has, I think, 17. He's got 15 games and 11 starts. Uh, to put that into perspective, he played in just six games last year. But his breakout game, if you remember, was here. Uh, he came off the bench when Bohannon got hurt and was 16 of 21 for 137 yards and rushed for nearly 50 more. Uh, really good, high-level talent, uh, really good baseball player, um, but was the 21st-ranked dual-threat quarterback in, in the country in the 2020 signing class. 67% completion percentage. But, but the thing that I would tell you is, as he's continued to mature and develop, they're good around him. They have a very, very fine veteran offensive line that's starting to put it together a little bit better. Uh, their rush game has been a lot better lately. Uh, and they do have not necessarily household names, but a couple of two or three receivers that scare you with their, their speed and Gavin Holmes and Monterey Baldwin. Here's the interesting part about them. Uh, we all know about the freshman running back, Richard Reese. Uh, he carried the ball two weeks ago, 36 times against Texas Tech and only four last week against uh, Oklahoma. But here's what, here's the real story. Craig Williams, Craig Squirrel Williams started in his stead there. He rushed against Oklahoma 25 times for 192 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good work, um, uh, just being thrown into a starting role for just the fifth time in his career. So they do have talent. They're really well coached. And uh, as veteran as they are on the offensive line, uh, maybe even more so with their defense. Man, they got a lot of seniors. I mean, Maxwell and Hall up front and that guy in the, in the middle – Siaki Apuica is the, the LSU transfer. He's as big as a house. And they've got Dylan Doyle in the middle as linebacker. And uh, Craig Morgan still back there with Al Walcott, Al Walcott in that secondary. So this is a veteran uh, ball club that uh, really kind of seems to be hitting its stride, frankly. Yeah, the last three games, they've, uh, they've won three straight coming into this game against the Cats. And, I mean, that comes after a time where they lost – uh, to Oklahoma State, they lost to West Virginia. That was a really tough one to swallow for 
if you're a Baylor fan, that Thursday night game at West Virginia, you lose by three points. And that's still the Mountaineers' only win in conference play after losing to Iowa State. And also add on that Baylor loss, uh, the Baylor loss to the BYU on the road, where I think people start thinking maybe this Blake Shapin guy is not too not too great. But, White, I think you're right. With the win over Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma, they've really hit their strides. And now they find themselves in a conversation to make it to Arlington after going 3-3 three and three to start the year. Well, here's what I would tell you. Remember the, the loss in Morgantown? That night they rushed for 169 yards. That's not bad. That's not bad. But since then, 273 Kansas. 231 Tech, 281 in Norman Saturday. So they're at a little different level running the football right now. No doubt about that. Okay, State's got to be ready to tackle and not let Richard Reese have a big game on you, as he has impressed me, the freshman running back. That's uh, I had the stats pulled up earlier, but he's averaging about five yards a carry. He's just two yards shy of 800 on the year and 13 scores on the ground this year. Well, it's at, uh, you know, the game is in Waco. Why? What is? What do you remember about the atmosphere at McLean Stadium? Is is it? Because I don't usually think their student section is full. Yeah, their student section really isn't probably like some that you might get, whether it's you know Oklahoma State or whoever you want to name there, Kansas State, those types. But uh, I, I think they're drawing more consistently now. Um, remember, in in Dave's first year, Coach Aranda's first year. They really struggled. Remember, they, they, that was the COVID year, and <laughs> they went two and seven. Um, and, and that was both league play. I mean, they really didn't have a non-conference schedule, honestly. Uh, and then what do they do? They turn around the next year with the same group of guys to go 12 and two. So I, I think he's a really good coach, and I think they're excited to have him. Um, and again, with a veteran team, you have to They haven't been home a whole lot. Um, they've played back-to-back games on the road. Uh, at Tech and at Oklahoma, uh, what I heard from some of their guys is that they're going to have a really good crowd and they'll be pretty excited on Saturday, I think. Yeah, primetime game at McLean Stadium, 6 o'clock kick. Power kick game day will start at 2 in the afternoon. Uh, and the game is also televised on FS1. White, I know you're busy. Uh, so I'm sure you got a lot to do before 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock rolls around in Bramwich. Yeah. But uh, I'll see you tonight, and thanks for coming on. Looking forward to it, partner. Good talking to you. Thank you, bud. That's the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, when we come back last weekend in the Big 12 on Wildcat Insider. with Wildcat Insider. Final segment of hour number one. We're going to have a full hour two, so if you want to hear K-State women's basketball open their year against the Sugar Bears of Central Arkansas, tune into our sister station Sunny 102.5. That'll begin at 5 o'clock, and tip-off is at 5.30. We are going to have Chiefs Kingdom tonight at 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock, we'll start men's basketball pregame. 8 o'clock tip against UTRGV. All right, last week in Big 12 football, let's start out with going to Fort Worth, Texas. The Horned Frogs, number seven in the country, now 9-0. and They take down Texas Tech by the final score of 34-24. to Darius Davis 
Got the Horn Frogs going early with a punt return, 82 yards for a score, and Kendry Miller, the go-ahead score in the fourth quarter, to uh, pick up the victory. The Horn Frogs nine and zero for the first time since 2010. It's been 12 years with this strong of the start and the nine-game winning streak, the longest since TCU had won 16 straight over the 2014-15 seasons. Meanwhile, the Red Raiders. And they went ahead 17-13 in the third quarter, but there was an injury. Freshman Baron Morton started the game 7 of 10 for 47-yard touchdown to Duran Bradley. However, he left the game with an ankle injury, and it was bothering him for a month. He did not come back. So Tyler Shuck, who did not play since game number one, he went 9 for 22, 84 yards, and a short touchdown late in the game. To Norman, Oklahoma, Craig Williams ran for a career-high 192 and two touchdowns, and Baylor defeats the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman by the final score of 38-35. So Williams, who's a fifth-year junior, he had rushed for 458 his entire injury play career before this past Saturday and exploded against the Sooners. His best performance before then was 68 yards earlier this year against BYU. Well, the Bears ended up running for 281 and five touchdowns to claim their third straight victory. They started the year 3-3, three and three, and now they are 6-3 and three heading into the game against K-State. Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel, I mean, 261 and two scores, not that bad. He ran the ball nine times for 70 yards and another score, but it was the turnovers that just killed Oklahoma. Three costly interceptions in the first half against the Bears. Well, to Lawrence, KU and Oklahoma State, Devin Neal for 224 on the ground and a touchdown. He had 110 receiving. Leading Kansas pass number 18, Oklahoma State, 37-16. The Cowboys were down a lot of starters, including quarterback Spencer Sanders. But the Jayhawks are now 6-3, like K-State, and are bowl eligible for the first time since 2018 when they beat Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. And Jason Bean was efficient through the air, 18 of 23 for 203 yards with two touchdowns. He also ran in a 72-yard score. And then finally in Ames, Iowa, it was a battle between teams that are at the bottom of the Big 12. But Iowa State fighting for bowl eligibility. They remain alive in that part of the season. Hunter Deckers threw for two touchdowns. Xavier Hutchinson caught 10 passes, 123 and a score. Iowa State takes down West Virginia in Ames, 31-14. to It was a three-touchdown fourth quarter for the Cyclones, who are now 4-5. and And that snaps a five-game losing streak. Deckers was 34-36 of for 219. And, uh, well, now bowl eligibility is going to be a long shot for West Virginia, who's now 3-6. and One more loss. They won't get there. The Mountaineers were down to their third-string running back on Saturday. Looking at the Big 12 standings, TCU, of course, is still in first place with a 9-0 record. They're undefeated in Big 12 play. Texas, Baylor, K-State all have the same record and are tied for second place, 6-3 overall, 4-2 in Big 12 play. So, of course, K-State beating Baylor would be big. If they can get that done, what's even bigger is if TCU beats Texas. It was earlier... You're rooting against TCU. Now you want TCU to beat Texas on Saturday. That's going to wrap up Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider. When we come back for Hour number 2, we're going to hear from a couple of K-State student-athletes, including quarterback Adrian Martinez of football, and also Desi Sills from the men's basketball team. 
He has a very passionate story of what hit led him to K-State, and you're going to hear that in hour number two. But when we come back, K-State men open up the season against UTRGV. Mitch Palm is after the break. You're listening to Wildcat Insider.